with a very, very famous man by the name of Elijah. He was uh, a most remarkable figure in the entire history of Israel. We see this because of the space devoted to him in the Old Testament. The last six chapters of First Kings are occupied with Elijah. And he and Moses alone stood on the Mount of Transfiguration. <clears throat> we read in James 5.17 that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was a man, a human being, just like each of us here. He ministered to the northern kingdom of Israel. It was in a terrible spiritual condition, as dark as any time in its history. King Ahab was its king. He was an evil, evil man who married an even more evil woman by the name of Jezebel. <clears throat> we don't name little girls Jezebel, do we? I have never heard of one. About three weeks ago, our 26th great-grandchild was born. She's a beautiful little girl, and her mother named her Quincy. Now, I've never heard a little girl named Quincy, but it didn't bother me. But if my granddaughter had named her Jezebel, I would be bothered because I know about Jezebel, and probably she was one of the most wicked women <clears throat> who ever lived. This morning, we're going to face Elijah at a time when he was depressed, discouraged, despondent, and cried out to the Lord, it is enough. Take my life. Now it's amazing that a number of well-known men in the Bible have said the same thing. Listen to Job. Let that day, the day I was born, perish. Listen to Jeremiah. Cursed be the day in which I was born. Listen to Moses. Kill me, I pray thee. Listen to Jonah. O Lord, take my life from me. And so many of the well-known men in Scripture have been in the same place as Elijah was that day when he said, it is enough, take my life, Lord. We want to look at this man this morning <clears throat> because I think he has some lessons 
for each one of us. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever get discouraged? You sit there, I don't know if you have or haven't, by the look of your faces. Have you ever been discouraged? Thank you, three or four have been discouraged. <laughs> now it's an amazing thing in an audience this size that only three or four of you have ever been discouraged. You are most unusual audience. There is no other audience in the United States this morning like you. Because every one of us today have been discouraged. Every one of us has felt despondency. Every one of us, in a sense, have said, It's enough, Lord. I've had enough. And so there are lessons from the life of Elijah this morning that I trust will help and encourage you. You see, in the chapter prior to our text, chapter 18, we find this man Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. He is standing alone. There are 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of another false god. 850 men against Elijah. And there's no saying, I've had enough, Lord. In fact, he said, Lord, when I put the sacrifice on the altar, send fire to let these people know that you alone are God. And when he put his sacrifice on the altar, the fire fell from heaven and consumed it. And the people said, the Lord, he is God. Now, it hadn't rained for over three years. And that was because of the word of Elijah. He asked the Lord to stop the rain. It did. Then he asked the Lord to give rain, and it really did come in torrents. And he told King Ahab, this wicked king, you better get back to Jezreel where your palace is because the storm is coming. And then an amazing thing, God gave him the ability to run those 18 miles from Mount Carmel to Jezreel, and he got there before the king in his chariot. So this is the background. This man who stood against 850 false prophets, fearless. When Jezebel heard about this, she sent him a note and said, by tomorrow at this time, I'm going to kill you. And what does the word of God say? He fled for his life and ran to Beersheba. 120 miles. Because he was afraid of the threat of one evil woman. What a change from Mount Carmel when he stood 
against 850. <clears throat> now there are three commands in our text today from the Lord to this man. And I want us to look at them because they're appropriate, they're pertinent to each one of us sitting here today. These are three commands that God would give to you and me when we are discouraged or despondent for whatever reason. <clears throat> Please look at chapter 19 and verse 5. We have the command of an angel who touched Elijah and said, get up and eat. He had run 120 miles, running for fear of his life because of this wicked woman, Jezebel. And here he is, alone, crying out to the Lord, it's enough. Please take my life. And God commands through the angel, get up. Verse 5 of chapter 19. At once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. <clears throat> and that was over 200 miles away. So the first command is get up and eat. And you know, sometimes when you and I are discouraged, it's simply because we haven't taken care of ourselves. We haven't eaten properly. We haven't gotten the sleep we need. And all of a sudden, we're sitting there like Elijah and saying, in a sense, it's enough, Lord, I can't go on. And the solution of the angel was simple. Get on your feet, Elijah, and eat. You've been running these many, many miles. You're exhausted. You haven't eaten. Get up and eat. And there was food that the angel had cooked for him. Do you know that we have angels attending to us. Do you know that? I remember in one of my classes at Wheaton years ago, the father of Dr. Armiding was teaching. And he was teaching on angels. And he said, now, gentlemen, I want to tell you something. You all have angels that take care of you. But if you go over the speed limit, they don't stay with you. They get out. But we all have angels attending us. And that must have been quite a, a lunch that the angels served 
and cooked for him. And the angel said, Get up, stand on your feet. You're to travel some more. Now, why was he so exhausted? Why are you discouraged and exhausted sometimes? Well, there are a lot of reasons for Elijah. He was physically exhausted, as we've mentioned. There was great fatigue because of all the running he had done. He was emotionally debilitated. He was disappointed at his broken dreams. He was under spiritual oppression the lack of results he saw in his ministry. And then he was fearful of Jezebel. I don't know what makes you discouraged. Of course, most of you never get discouraged, you said. But the three or four who did say you're discouraged, I don't know what causes you to be discouraged. Maybe different things than what causes me to be discouraged. But we all face it from time to time, and we all are saying, in a sense, it's enough. And the first command is this. Elijah, get on your feet and eat. Take care of these physical needs, and then sleep. You know, sleep is a wonderful balm for discouragement. Did you know that? I hope you can all sleep. Some of us have trouble doing that. I'm so thankful I can sleep well. I sleep and eat better than I do anything else. (laughs) And I'm grateful for both. So the angel said, get on your feet. Eat this food that I've prepared for you. I'm so thankful for angels. Think about the angelic help of people in God's word. We read about the angel in Acts 12 when Peter was in prison and the angel came and touched him and released him from his bonds and led him out of the prison. I think of Paul in Acts 27 on the ship when all those veteran sailors were fearful of drowning. And he said, be of good cheer. And I'm sure they wanted to sock him. He said, be of good cheer. For the angel of God has met me and said that none of us will be lost. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. How would you like to be in a lion's den? The angel was there protecting him. And God has given you and me angelic assistance in our lives. You know, it's amazing. If we could know what God through angels have done to protect us through our lives, it would amaze us. It would amaze us. And so the angel said, 
get on your feet. Eat what I have baked for you. And then he left for Mount Horeb, Sinai, which was over 200 miles away. And then we come to the second command that we see here. Please look at chapter 19 and verse 11. He now has traveled 40 days and 40 nights, and he reached Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, and there he went into a cave. Have you ever gone into a cave? I mean, not literally, but have you ever been in a cave because of your condition, your disappointment, your despondency, and you're hiding in a cave? Oh, that's great because God can't see you in a cave, can he? Can he? He can see you anywhere. There are no secrets with God. It's a wonderful thing to know that God can see us anywhere, isn't it? But it's a scary thing also to know that God can see us anywhere if we're not where we ought to be. And that's where Elijah was. He was where he should not have been. He was hiding back in a cave. And the second command we find here in God's word in verse 11 of chapter 19. Come out. Get out of that cave. Get out of that place where you're hiding. Where you're trying to get away from God maybe. Come on out of it. I want to talk to you. And so he went out of the cave. And God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, oh, I'm the only one of the prophets that are faithful to you. I've been very faithful to you. And then... God talks to him in a still, small voice. You see, he, first of all, sent the earthquake and the thunder, but he wasn't in those noisy things that shook the mountain. But then came a still, small voice, and he said, What are you doing here? You know, God usually does not work in thunderclaps and earthquakes, but he does speak in a still, small voice. But you must come out of your cave, wherever you are this morning, saying, I can't go on, Lord. It's enough. And Jesus, in a still, small voice, says, What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. 
And the Lord wants to speak to you and to me this morning as we come out of our caves. And he wants to speak in a still, small voice. I like Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. You know, in our age, it's very difficult to be still, isn't it? We live in a noisy, noisy age. It amazes me when I see runners, most of whom have something in their ears. They're listening to music. You know why? I think many of them don't dare to be still because God may speak to them. And so they fill their ears and their lives with noise. That's true of our society. God doesn't speak when there's noise. He speaks in a still, small voice. So God says to you and me, this morning, come out of your cave, listen to my voice, be still, and know that I am God. There's a third and final command that God gives to this person, Elijah. The first command has to do with God's provision. The second command has to do with this person. Come on out of the cave and let me speak to you. The third command we find in chapter 19 and verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 15. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. This is speaking about God's uh, purpose for Elijah. Elijah wasn't supposed to be in a cave complaining, I've had enough. Elijah was ministering to the people in Israel. And so God says, listen, go back. I have a purpose for you. And you know God has a purpose for each one of you here this morning. Did you know that? I know often I've been asked as I've traveled around, how do you know God wanted you to be a missionary? And sometimes I ask them, how do you know that God wants you to be a doctor? Or how do you know that God wants you to be a lawyer? Or how do you know that God wants you to be a teacher? Shouldn't every one of us be assured in our hearts that we're where God wants us to be, whatever that is? And so God's will for this man was not to be in a cave hiding out, saying, I've had enough. God's will for him was to be ministering his word to the people of Israel. And so he said, listen, Isaiah, I have a purpose for you. It hasn't changed. 
And so he says, go back the way you came in verse 15. And he gave him a threefold recommission. Anoint Hazel, king of Syria. And this man was responsible for killing many of the false prophets of Israel. The second part of this command was anoint Jehu, king of Israel. And he was the one who destroyed the house of Ahab and drove out Baal worship. He killed 70 of Ahab's sons in one day. And the third part of this recommission was anoint Elijah. You see, he was to become the colleague, the co-laborer with Elijah. And Elijah was to know that he wasn't the only faithful one. There were 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. And so God's purpose and plans were laid before Isaiah, uh, Elijah as he came out of the cave. In 1966, I visited Bangladesh for the first time. <clears throat> there were two things I wanted to see. One was the grave of Harry Gehring. His son, Harold, is here this morning. He was the first husband of Nancy. And he died very suddenly at the age of 32 in Bangladesh. That would be cause enough to ask, why wouldn't it? Probably the most healthy man on our field, a real athlete, a brilliant young man. And God took him at the age of 32. I wanted to see his grave, which was at our hospital. But I also wanted to go to Hebron, where he and Nancy and their three little children lived. I wanted to see the little house he had built. So I remember going up the river, <clears throat> climbing the embankment, and walking over to this little house. There was a big, big padlock on the door, the biggest padlock I've ever seen, because the station was closed. There was no one to take his place. And I can remember standing there and really asking, why? Why, Lord? Did you take this friend of mine in the very bloom of his life when you were using him so greatly among the tribal people? I didn't have an answer to that. You don't have an answer to a lot of things that God permits to come into your lives, do you? You just don't have an answer. That's where faith comes in. That's where trust in God comes in when we don't understand what we believe that he knows what is best and he does all things well. So I remember Nancy telling me that when that happened, she quietly 
ask the Lord someday if it was his will to call Harry's son, Harold, back to Bangladesh. And I asked Harold to go out, he was a teacher, to teach our <clears throat> high school kids, and he went out for a year and a half or so. He visited his father's grave. And I'm sure God used that in his life. Because when he finally came home and he talked about his time there, he, he said, I believe God's calling me back to Bangladesh. What a thrill that was to, for Nancy to hear. And what a thrill it was to see him and his wonderful wife, Sean, a few years later, go back to Bangladesh, where God has greatly used them as chairman of our field council for the last 15 years or so. And you see, we didn't understand why a young man, 32 years old, being used of God in wonderful ways, was taken. I remember Harold going into the hills for a conference one time and writing us and saying at that conference there were over a thousand tribal believers. And some of the men who were there, tribal believers, told Harold, you know, years ago your dad was here and preached the gospel to us. And there were a thousand tribal believers at this conference. God does know what he's doing, doesn't he? Even though we don't understand. And so God gave this third command. Go back the same way and do my will. Fulfill my purpose for your life, Elijah. Preach the word of God to the people in Israel and I will bless you, and I will use you. <clears throat> Do any of you ever get discouraged? Oh, there are five or six now. <laughs> You've been thinking. <laughs> we all get discouraged. That's part of life. Some of us get really discouraged. We get despondent. We want to throw in the towel. We don't want to come out for the next round. We've had enough. I've had enough, Elijah said. And God said, come on out. I've got some words for you. Get up, the angel said, and eat. Come out of the cave and listen to my voice. Go back and fulfill my purpose for your life. And this morning, if you're here discouraged or if you're not discouraged, like most of you never get discouraged, you said, uh, I want to give you the words that God gave to Elijah thousands of years ago. Get up and eat, take care of yourself. Come out of your cave where you've been hiding and let me talk to you in a still, small voice. Go back and fulfill 
my purpose for your life. These words to Elijah have been a great encouragement to me because I will admit, sometimes I get discouraged. And once in a while I might even say, it's enough, I've had enough, Lord. But he's so faithful in meeting me just where I am and ministering to me in a wonderful way. And he wants to do that for you as well. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for giving us the story of Elijah. He was a great man. He and Moses alone stood on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord Jesus. You used him in amazing ways, but he was also a man of like passions as we are. And he got tired, and he got hungry, and he got discouraged and despondent. And you had to meet him just where he was, and you did. And you said, get up and eat. Come out of that cave and listen to my voice. Go back, Elijah, and serve me and fulfill my purpose for you. Father, I do pray that by your spirit, you will be pleased to take your word this morning and to apply it to each one of our hearts and lives. You know all about us as we sit in your presence this morning. You know those who may be very discouraged for one reason or another, even despondent, Lord. I do pray that you will especially speak to those who may be here today. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping you. Thank you for your loving kindness, your great faithfulness, Lord, your mercy. We thank you for these things, and we thank you for Jesus, who made it all possible. In his precious name we pray. Amen.